I've noticed something interesting. Over the last few months, I've had several people come to mind that I should reach out to about being on the podcast. And several of them have said yes enthusiastically. And each of them have had things come up that have kept us from being able to record. Meanwhile, at the same time, Jesse Mejias of Sunodia Prayer Counseling has come to mind. But it was always at times where I either couldn't reach out to her or I was carrying a kid and time passed. And there came a moment where I thought, I wonder if these other interviews can't happen until I follow through in obedience to reach out to Jesse. So I did, and Jesse was immediately enthusiastic, and we put it on the calendar and we recorded. Now, what I appreciate about Jesse is she has learned from personal experience that not only does God speak, but he wants to speak to her and to others, and there is a journey that he is taking us on. And I got to sit with Jesse in her capacity with Sunodia Prayer Counseling two years ago, and that time with her led to an amazing God moment. I want to share something that I wrote in October of 2018, and this was after that hard summer where I ended up losing my job. This summer, I felt like God wanted me to ask Jesse Mejias to pray for me at Easton Fellowship around identity and a hard situation. As she prayed, she saw an image of me being in a room, but instead of me leaving the room, God said the windows needed to be opened so fresh air could come in. As I sat with Jesse today and we talked about burdens, she asked me to visualize a burden. I immediately remembered the image of the room and imagined the burden as thick, humid, oppressive air that made it hard to breathe. She asked me to ask God what it could look like to remove the burden. My first thought was that I needed to open the windows to get the bad air out. I immediately laughed. I couldn't say it. Instead, God emphasized and reminded me of these words, let the fresh air in. I laugh because as I recorded for Where Did You See God podcast today, God had used scripture to show me ways I wasn't trusting him, that I wasn't letting in his illogical joy. I, and let's be honest, all of us, too often live as though the goal is to get rid of the bad air so that we can breathe. Yet the most powerful God moments in my life weren't the removal of the bad, but the presence of the good. I have felt closest to God even when the bad not only remained, but got worse. Focusing on getting the bad air out of the room has been futile. Meanwhile, the spirit is tapping on the window saying, let me in. Being joyful and content isn't the end result of eliminating the bad. It is the active choice to affirm God's sovereignty over even the worst of situations. God let me breathe some of that fresh air the weeks after I lost my job. The current hard season has allowed me to see the disparity between that and the oppressive heaviness of dwelling on wounds or injustices or the future. I can choose to remain in the bad air, or I can choose to take God at his word and simply let him in. I can't eliminate or ignore the bad air, but I can choose to focus so intently on the fresh air, I realize the bad air can't compete. Someone out there is sitting in a room full of thick, humid air and no amount of fans has cleared it out. Know that God is bigger than any situation and stands at the window and knocks. You don't have to solve anything. You just have to choose to open the window. So that time with Jesse was an important moment in my journey because God spoke through Jesse 
God spoke through those exercises to remind me of things that he had already told me that I had forgotten and to emphasize things in me that I was going to need in the weeks and months and years ahead. So I was grateful to get time with Jesse, and I'm excited for you because I feel like there is so much in what Jesse shares that's going to impact you today wherever you are. You are listening to episode 47 of the Where Did You See God podcast. Father God, I just want to thank you that you are God and you are good. And yeah, I just really feel like you have orchestrated this time. Um, Just a number of little things that have happened that make me feel like you want to do something here today. Uh, But I also know our capacity is is, is broken people to take things in our own direction. So right now we just release this time to you. We release our plans. We release our thoughts. We release everything. But we also give ourselves to you, our our words, our stories, if there are things that you want to use today, we, we just invite you to work. And we just invite the Holy Spirit right now because we know that you can speak in ways, you can provide words in ways that we never could on our own. And we want this space and this time to be one that is glorifying to you and honoring to you and reveals truth. We know there are so many things that are only revealed by your spirit. And so we invite that and above all, Pray that this time is honoring to you, is glorifying to you. And we thank you just for the fr- privilege of being able to be with you in this way. Let's pray in his holy name. Amen. Amen. So I'm excited to have Jesse Mejias with Sunodia Prayer Counseling with me today for many reasons. There was a time two years ago or so that I got to sit with Jesse in her office. And it was a really amazing time. Largely because, and this is something that Jesse and I were talking about before the call, uh, there are ways sometimes that God shows up that we don't expect, that we didn't plan. And there is a specific exercise that she took me through of just visualizing a burden that God worked and spoke in a very unexpected and powerful way. And, uh, and I think about that often, um, the way that God used that space to bring some clarity, some revelation, some breakthrough. And Jesse, this is something that you get to experience a lot because it's what you do. So for folks that don't know you, what are a couple things that you feel like this is what people need to know about me? And what do people need to know about Sunodia? Well, I think the thing that people need to know about me is that I have my own healing journey. And so, you know, it's, it's, as you were praying, the Lord was just telling me to share my story. And and he's been telling me that he's been really urging me to write more. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to do that. It's not always easy because I tend to get obsessive compulsive about what I'm writing. And so it's never just right. My story is that I started out broken and thinking I was okay and getting a lot of healing. And then I had a period of long period of my life where I really thought I had it. I had it all figured out. I was super Christian. I was a Sunday school teacher. I was a deacon at church. I was all these things. And I thought I had it all and that God had gotten me to where he wanted me to be. And then the Lord took me through a series of events and circumstances in my life where I had to realize that I did not have it all together. 
and that I was not super Christian, and that on top of all of that, I was pretty religious, legalist person. Mm -hmm. So I went through this really intense time of healing from about, I would say, 2003 till about 2007. So it was good, a good long period of time. But yeah. out of that, the Lord said, okay, I want you to start to minister to other people the ways that I minister to you and the ways that I brought other people into your life to minister to you. Mm -hmm. And so I was just really excited about sharing everything that God had done in my life. And which is the reason why I established this ministry in 2010. It used to be called Finding Home Institute. So some of our friends, our mutual friends, will know it by that. Mm -hmm. But in 2017, we decided to change the name to make it a little bit more, well, mysterious and yet not so mysterious. Mm -hmm. Sunodia means a journey together in the company of others. Prayer counseling is pretty obvious what prayer counseling means, but it's still been the same ministry. It's been about connecting people to God, getting people to know who God is, and out of hearing from him, getting healing. Because when we get truth in our hearts, and I'm not talking about truth in our heads, I'm talking about truth in our hearts, then healing comes. And the other thing is we want people to also know who they are. And so as people know who God is and who they are, that connection brings so much healing, but it brings purpose too. And that was another part of my story, which is that I went through this incredible healing journey and I thought, oh, this is great. I'm feeling good. Shame is gone. Fear is, you know, pretty much, you know, not so much an issue, although fear is always going to be an issue in everybody's life. Mm -hmm. Anger really seemed to be dealt with. All of these things that I wanted to get rid of were gone. And so I thought, well, this is because God wants me to be happy. He wants me to be fulfilled. He wants me to have a good life. And he was like, uh, no, that's not why we did this. <laughs> we did this so that you could then do the thing that I called you to do. Yeah. Because you can't do it when you're in this muck and mire. So I like to say that one of the things counseling is about helping people to be and do everything that God has called us to be and do. Yeah. But definitely it's, it's about freedom. It's about a fuller life but it all starts with knowing God and hearing him. Yeah. You, you said something that really stood out to me and it was God providing truth, not for our head, but for our heart. And it really struck me because I feel like, I mean, many of us often find ourselves in places where our desire is, is arrival, is knowing, is understanding. What is the difference between knowing something in your head versus knowing something in your heart? And maybe an example from your own story of that. Knowing something in your head, for instance, you know, for all those years, for so many years, I was steeped in the word. I mean, I've, I've been a student of the word since I got saved in 1976. I had some wonderful people who taught me how to really dig into the word. And you can never do too much of that. But a lot of times there are things that we know in our head that the Bible says. So, I mean, simple. God loves us. Every message of the Bible is telling us God loves us. But it wasn't until, I, I can't say what year, but this is really not that long ago, maybe 15, 16 years ago, mm -hmm. that I one day woke up and like, oh, God loves me. And I was shocked because I didn't realize that I didn't know before, really know, like solid truth know that God loved me. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was a revelation to me that he really loved me. But the other revelation that I experienced that was so powerful 
was that God is good. Mm-hmm. And you know that verse that talks about if you ask your father for bread, he will not give you a stone. Mm-hmm. I had known that scripture. I had recited that scripture, taught that scripture. But there was this, this one day where I woke up. And honestly, I don't know if it's like I woke up or that I woke up in my heart. Mm-hmm. It was in my head. And I finally connected. Oh, God is good. He's not going to give me a stone when I ask him for bread. And that's been one of the bases of my ministry with people is that a lot of times we'll sit, I'll sit with a client and I'll say, let's ask God, you know, what's going on or what is the thing that you need to know to be healed or to get set free? And I believe him that question, he's going to answer it. Mm -hmm. And I don't have any doubts. And that's, to me, that's the difference between head and heart. In my head, I might know it, quite sure that he's going to answer. But in my heart, when I know in my heart that he's good, then I, I know he's going to answer. And a lot of times I, I'll tell my client, hey, you may not believe, but I will believe for both of us. Mm. So don't worry about it. We're good. But it's all about really beginning to experience God's goodness, experiencing God's love. Because I always say that experience trumps knowledge. Mm. So if you know the word says that God is good, but all of the experiences in your life have been bad, and you attribute them to God, then your head says, God is good, but your heart says, "Uh uh-uh, he's not. Mm -hmm. And so it is really about bringing your experiences into alignment with what you know. Mm -hmm. And so it does start with knowledge. We do want to fill our heads with the word and have that solid anchor, but we need to also combine it with experience. And that's why we use pictures, because pictures are the language of the heart. You know, I'll tell you a funny experience that I had. It's not funny, but it was kind of so real. I was praying and I was journaling and I felt like I was just picturing myself kind of in the boat with Jesus. I felt like the Lord was saying, as I was picturing this, he was saying, okay, step out of the boat, kind of the way Peter stepped out of the boat. And I was like, "Uh, no, I don't want to do it. And I remember finally saying, okay, God, I'm going to take this step of faith and trust you and step out of this boat. And I cannot tell you how real that felt to me to do this in my mind's eye. When I stepped out of the boat, I was pretty sure I was gonna sink. Mm -hmm. When I stepped out of the boat, it was as if there was this plank of wood underneath the water. Mm -hmm. And it was just the most glorious feeling to know, wow, I could trust him. Mm -hmm. I don't know how else to explain it, except that the more experiences that we have with God in even in our mind's eye, but it's 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 a spiritual experience. The more that solid truth stays in our heart and it connects with what we know, and we start to say, Yes, God is love, yes, God is trustworthy, yes, God is faith, yes, God is good. But um, so many experiences that people have had have told them the exact opposite, mm-hmm. and so the struggle is really what did I experience and how can this match with what the Bible is telling me about God? And a lot of times what I'm doing is praying with people to ask them to let God talk to them about those experiences. Jesus is same yesterday, today, forever. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. And I I ask them, would you be willing to ask Jesus where he was when that happened? And when they do and they see that Jesus was there and that he cared, it just changes the experience for them. And I, I like to say to them, you can never unsee that now. 
-hmm. Every time you think of that memory, you're going to remember Jesus in it. Mm -hmm. And it makes a big difference to people to know that he was with me. And as we start to get that God is always with me, it changes our hearts and our, our heads can now take in the word and say, yes, this is true because the picture that's in our heart is matching the knowledge that's in our head. Yeah. Well, and you mentioned, you know, the word truth. And I think that's important because facts can be a very head thing. Truth is head and heart. And our engagement with truth necessitates us being able to function with both those things. It makes me think of, you know, the, the limitation with facts is you can use facts however you want to use them. And you can pick and choose facts however you want to pick and choose them. We can look at our country right now and see that. There are people that we love and respect that are saying, here are the facts. And then people that we love and respect are saying, no, these are the facts. And then responses shaped from which facts we're choosing to hold on to. Whereas truth, and particularly capital T truth, breaks through that. So facts would say, uh, you know, you're in a boat. You are asked to step out in the water. The fact is water cannot hold you. But truth is, God loves you and is inviting you. And so you don't know what's going to happen necessarily, except that God is going to continue to love you. And I think that's a beautiful picture then of how all of this melts together, how our feelings, God uses those feelings that he gave us, but also how we can misuse those feelings or misinterpret those feelings. Mm -hmm. All facts are derived from truth, but how those can either be used to draw us towards God or used to draw us back into ourselves. What's a time in your life where you were able to recognize that clear distinction between what you believed were facts, which you believe to be true, and what God revealed? No, this is actually true about who you are, who I am, and how that changed the course of things. Wow. <laughs> so many times he's done that. When I went through the, ver the first time I did prayers that healed the heart, and I was you know, receiving healing... I felt like the God was really adamant that my issue was shame. Mm. And I was very adamant that shame was not my issue. And he just would just insisted to the final. I just, okay, finally. All right. I will, I will pray through shame, but it's really not my problem. Mm -hmm. And I remember um, when I started praying through this and realizing that I had so many misconceptions of myself and one of, well, one of the misconceptions that was the number one was that, if I made a mistake, it was the end of the world. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we teach about shame, one of the common phrases is shame doesn't say I made a mistake. Shame says I am a mistake. Mm. And so I was looking at myself as a mistake. And therefore, if at any time I did something that it didn't matter if it was a small error or a large error, and I've made both obviously in my life, but I would see myself as just this flawed person, this, this person who could never get it right and was always going to be falling short somehow. Mm -hmm. And the Lord just showed me, he just said to me, and it's interesting because somebody else could have said it to me, multiple people could have said it to me and I wouldn't have gotten it. It would have gone in one ear and out the other. But when Jesus said it to me, it was like, oh, I got it. And he just said, no, making a mistake is not about who you are. You just made a mistake and you learned from your mistake. And I remember thinking, oh yeah, I just learned from my mistake. And it began to be, and I remember the very first time that I was in a situation 
where I was debriefing with my pastor at the time about a seminar that I had done. And anytime we would have these debriefings, he would say like 10 things that were good about what I did and one thing that could be improved. And I would hear that one thing and not the 10 things. And I just magnify that. And it would take me literal days, one thing that he had said. And I remember after the Lord had told me this, I sat down with the pastor. He gave me the 10 things that were good and the one thing that probably needed to be fixed. And I said, okay. And then I waited for that feeling. I waited for that. I've got to wrestle with this one thing for the next three days until I can get over it. And it didn't happen. Mm. And I was like, whoa, God, that is so good. I did something that can be fixed, Mm -hmm. but that's it. It has nothing to do with who I am. And, And that was just life changing for me. And so I'm very, very passionate about helping people come out of shame because it is such a a lie from the pit of hell that we are what we do. We are not what we do. We are who God says we are. And when he looks at us, he sees, he sees his son. He sees his son. He sees the reality of us, but he loves us just the way we are, just the way we love our children. You know, when our children make mistakes, we don't stop loving them. We don't stop looking on them as being precious to us. We just help them learn from those mistakes if we're good parents and God is the best parent there is. Yeah, well, I mean, and we're grappling with things that historically have been hard because we're talking about an all-powerful, all-loving, all-knowing God and our interaction with him. And there's so many things that can cause us to not understand that or to struggle with it. Or even when we are learning to engage with it, I I think of the disciples and they actually, they literally walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and they still struggled with understanding him and hearing him. And I've been thinking a lot about this idea of, you know, one, you and I both believe that God still speaks and that he wants to speak to us. And that's something that both of us had had moments in our life where we weren't sure that that's true. And so that's, that's one uh, you know, journey to take to getting to that place that we choose to believe that. But then the second piece that I f- find myself often wrestling with is moments of, am I actually hearing God? Am I actually understanding God? And in what you just shared, I feel like a piece of what leads that doubt in my heart starts with those those pieces of truth. And so, you know, in your example, when you are operating under the belief that you are what you do, God was speaking the entire time, but how you heard that was different because it was shaped by, but I am bad because I do this, that, and the other versus when you understood yourself as, no, I am who God who says who I am, suddenly his voice is different. Your example of, of being parents and how our kids hear us and how we treat our kids, I think of you know, the number of times where I am saying something to my son, but because he has just done something uh, and he now is believing I am in trouble and I've ruined everything and I'm a bad kid, I can literally be saying, I love you. And he will not hear that or receive that because of what he believes. And how do we grow in understanding who God is and and who he is saying that we are so that we can accurately hear his voice? Well, I just think that's by pursuing him and being willing to listen to him. 
reading, obviously reading the word, but reading the word in a very, in an open fashion where you're willing to stop and think about how does this word apply to my life and to stop and say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me from this word? And I think journaling, I mean, it's one of the best ways to do that is to write down what you hear, what you feel like you hear God saying. And there are safeguards for if you're not sure you're hearing God's word or you're hearing from God, there are safeguards. Obviously, you check with the word. If if the things that God is saying to you are not inconsistent with the Bible, and if what you're seeing or hearing about Jesus or God or, or the Holy Spirit is not inconsistent with their character as revealed in the Bible, but then you also have godly people in your life, hopefully, that you can share what you hear sometimes when you're not sure, is this really God? And you can go to someone and say, hey, you know, I heard this from, I believe that this is what God is saying to me. Would you pray about it and see whether or not you think it was God? And the more they come back and say, yes, you heard God, the more you start to have confidence that you know who God is. And as you have that confidence, you, you really um, know, you say, yeah, I, I can recognize. And then you start to get to where you can recognize eh, that probably wasn't God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But once you know that you're hearing from God, mm-hmm. then you're go- it's going to transform you. It's going to help you to understand the things that he's saying to you and start to actually take them in. Yeah. But journaling is a wonderful way to do that. Writing down what you hear, being open to him, being open to the different ways that God wants to talk to us. Because he talks to us in so many different ways. You know, nature, he talks to us in dreams. He talks to us through other people. I, I think it's just really being open to a God who is not in a box. Mm-hmm. I think probably the biggest mistake that I made for so many years was feeling like God could only go so far or do so much. And I, one of the first things that I feel like God liberated me from the idea of he can only do so much and no more. Mm-hmm. And I see God as so much bigger now than I ever did. And I don't put anything past him because he's a big God and I can't put him in a box. And I think that too often we do as the body of Christ, put him in a box and say, well, God wouldn't do something like that. You know, maybe go into the word and see some of the crazy things. I love the old Testament, Mm -hmm. (laughs) love the old Testament because there's so many crazy things that happen in the old Testament. Jonah getting swallowed by a whale and sundials turning back and Elijah in the fire from heaven. There's all these things that happen and you say, well, God doesn't seem to be limited in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. Why do we limit him now? Mm -hmm. And uh, I just think we should, let's let's just have um, an open view of God and say, you know, okay, if it's in the word, he can do it. Well, and as you were talking, it made me think of two, one of the things that can impact our ability to hear and understand God is even our understanding of why he's talking or what his purpose is. And so the Pharisees, for example, maybe some of them believed that the purpose of God speaking was to give laws. And so anytime God spoke, it was in that mindset. You know, the example of a a boss or superior giving a list of things, if our belief was they're actually just sugarcoating the bad thing that they want to say, then what they say is going to be tempered by that. And one of the ways that we come to believe why God is speaking is for information. 
We want God to tell us what to do. We want God to tell us where to go. We want, want, want the information so that we can go and do the thing. When in reality, sometimes God's not trying to give us the instruction manual or he's not trying to give us these specific answers. He's actually trying to do something else. But if we're looking for answers and he says, go do this and it doesn't make sense, then we'll question God. We'll wonder if he's actually speaking when in reality, he may be speaking very clearly. What are some of the other reasons why you feel like God speaks to us if it's not to tell us exactly where to go and what to do? First of all, I don't think God likes to tell us exactly where to go and what to do most of the time. But it's number one for relationship with us. Yeah. That is God created us for relationship with him. And you can't have a relationship with somebody you don't talk to. Mm-hmm. You know, if you get married and you never talk to your wife, you're not going to have much of a relationship in, in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. You probably have a divorce. God doesn't divorce us, which is so comforting. <laughs> but no, he created us for relationship. He's also created us to learn how to live in this world and, and live in, we, we're supposed to be living in two worlds, actually. He's created us to learn how to live in the earthly realm and in the spiritual realm also. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we just only live in the earthly realm and other times we only live in the spiritual realm. He wants us to live in both, which is why we have head and heart, because we're supposed to use both. We're not supposed to use just one. That's mm-hmm. why we have a left and a right brain. We're supposed to be using both sides of our brains. But he has created us so that we can have this love relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Like, why do you have children? You have children because you want to share your love, the love that you have with your spouse. And you want to share that love with these children. So, and you want them to know you. You want, you, you want to know them. You want them to know you. And, and that's what God wants from us. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I thought was kind of interesting, as a baby Christian, I found that God would tell me, do this, do that. Um, and give me really specific directions about what to do. And then as I became more mature of a Christian, I, I kind of got scared because sometimes I would feel like I needed to do something. I had to make a decision and God is not telling me what to do. I'm like, God, you have to tell me what to do. I don't want to do, I don't want to mess up. I don't want to step out of your will. And it would be total silence. And so one day I realized that the total silence was because he was waiting for me to make a choice. Actually, he showed me this. It's very interesting. I retired early from my job back in 2007, from my secular job, in order to start this ministry. Before I did, I was kind of not sure if I was going to stay working. I was, I was a banker at the time at, a, at an international bank in Washington, D.C. At the time, I thought, well, maybe I'm not going to retire early. I'll just go to full retirement age. And there was a job that came up. And I thought, oh, I might be interested in switching out of my department into this other job. So I prayed about it. And I said, Lord, you know, what do you think? And, and the Lord was like, go for it. And you, you can have that job. And I thought, oh, that's cool. All right. So I applied for the job. But in between hearing about uh, whether or not I was going to get an interview or get the job and applying for the job, I was journaling. And I saw myself with the Lord. And we were at this campfire. And he was cooking. And he wanted to give me, I think it was beef stew. I don't remember off the top of my head, but, and I was just kind of sitting at this campsite going, you know, Lord, I don't really want beef stew. <laughs> I really, I really would like some, you know, that Peruvian chicken. I don't know if you've ever had this really good pollo a la brasa. 
Peruvian mm. chicken is just dripping moist. It's wonderful. I need to get and some. So the law, yeah, you do. <laughs> there is a place. I'll tell you where. <laughs> but and I just and the Lord was like, oh, okay, you can have chicken. So a few days later, the came back that I did not get considered for the job. So I was shocked because I was really convinced that God wanted me to have this job. I had all the qualifications and, you know, it would have been a, probably challenging, but it would have been a good difference. And so I went back to the Lord. I said, Lord, come on. Why didn't I get that job? And he said, you want a chicken, not beef. <laughs> and by that, I understood that I like beef stew. I'll eat beef stew, but I really love chicken. Mm-hmm. And the Lord was like, I'm not going to give you the better. I'm going to give you the best. Mm. And then within a year, I was able to get an early retirement package and start the ministry. Wow. So he was giving me the choice. It's like, you could choose beef stew, but if you really want chicken, why don't you choose the chicken? Mm. I don't know. That's kind of a crazy example. But it, the whole idea is that God wants us to grow up. Mm-hmm. You know, there was one of the things, the, there's a part of the scripture, I think it's in Ephesians, where he talks about to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, we are to grow up. Mm-hmm. in Christ and it's not just spiritually emotionally we are to grow up we are to mature people who can discern good from evil and who could choose the best rather than just the good or the better there's so many things in the word that talk about that and I think that it's a dynamic part of our relationship with God mm-hmm. that he lets us choose and he lets us make mistakes mm-hmm. but he also helps us to learn from those mistakes and the scripture, Romans 8.28, is so true. He does work everything together for good for all of us. He, for those who are called according to his, we are, we are his children, and he will find a way to make lemonade out of lemons. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes what we forget about that idea of best is the verse that says, to him who's able to do abundantly more than we can ask or imagine. Well, our problem is, is, we define best based on what we can ask or imagine, (laughs) you know, well, if I'm thinking ahead, this would be the best job for me. This would be the best home for me. This would be the best relationship for me. When in reality, the best is actually growing, deepening full relationship with God. That's why you can get something like the apostle Paul, you know, being imprisoned and saying, I'm rejoicing (laughs) because It doesn't matter that I've been whipped and flogged and stoned and left for dead and shipwrecked because all that's small compared to the insurmountable glory of being Christ and being with God. And I think part of our maturity is being able to break that concept of best from our human mind confines to the willingness for the unknown and impossible. And that can lead us to moments where Abraham had clearly heard from God that he was going to have a son. And then God says, okay, now go and kill your son. His understanding of God had matured to a point where he didn't know how this was going to pan out. He knew the facts were, but I wanted a son and God gave me a son. But like you shared in your story (laughs) of the boat and stepping out, regardless of the facts, he's going to go. Or Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were saying, our God can save us, but even if he doesn't, we know the direction that we need to go because we're going to go towards God. And there's just something so beautiful that when we begin to understand that God's desire for us and is speaking to us is for that abundantly more, not will I get this job? Will I do this thing? But something greater Then we can step into stuff that actually makes no sense. 
we can accept words from God that seem counter to what we would have expected because God's doing something more than just our human life. <laughs> he's, he's making us into his image and he's giving us tastes of eternity in the kingdom, which, you know, we need only taste because we can't handle the whole thing right now. And that's exciting. And, you know, in all of this, you know, the, the encouraging piece of this that has been a recurring theme in what you've been sharing is that, you know, we said this earlier, we are very much about knowing an arrival, but what God is graciously, gracefully, patiently walking us through is journey. That yes. you didn't arrive, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, five years ago, today, we haven't arrived yet. Like Paul says, it's not that I've arrived, but I'm continuing to run the race. That there is actually, it's that the journey's not a bad thing. It's not bad that we haven't arrived yet. There, there's actually something really beautiful. What is so great about this journey? What is so great about being in a space where we don't fully know or we don't yet fully understand? Why is that better than God just telling us and making it so? If there's excitement along the way to the journey. And, you know, you find things and you learn things that you might not have. You know, I'm a, I'm a world traveler, literally. I mean, I, I love to travel. That is one of my things. COVID has dashed my traveling plans for the whole year. What I love is going to different places and discovering new things. Hmm. And, you know, meeting, new, meeting people and experiencing new cultures. And I think for me, at least in the Christian walk, part of it is discovering new things about God, discovering new things about myself, discovering things that I didn't know I could do, that I can do, or things that he can do that I didn't know he could do. And maybe not in my life, but in other people's lives. And it just gives me joy. And I think part of the journey is that it's, it's not alone. I mean, one of the reasons why we changed our name to Sunodia is because it's, it's a journey that we don't do alone. We do it with others and starting with the Lord. And I think journey is a great avenue for relationship. It's, it's where you meet people. It's where you meet God and it's where you learn and grow more. You know, we don't ever stay the same. Mm -hmm. If you think about it, I remember a few years ago looking in the mirror and, you know, got gray hair now and looking at my face and thinking, God, I don't look the way I look. Mm -hmm. And I'm not so sure I'm happy about that. And he said, well, you know, when you stop looking the way you looked when you were 10 and you look different as an 18-year-old, you didn't mind that. And when you stop looking the same when you were a 30-year-old, you didn't mind that. So why should you mind this? You're going to keep changing your whole life. It's just part of life. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> it's part of life. But it's still part of this journey that we are never staying the same. God is just... God is, is always teaching us new things and taking us to new places and, you know, expanding our visions and our vistas, if you want to say that. Yeah, that's good. Well, two final questions. The first one is, if anybody is curious about Sunodia, uh, is wanting to get involved, how they could do so. And then the second question is, is there anything else God's put on your heart that you're like, I need to say this before we go? sunodia.org that's s as in sam u-n-o-d-i-a.org and what we have are some classes that are coming up in the fall we're very excited i'm most excited because i'm actually speaking of this idea of journey i am uh, introducing a brand new class called journey points mm. and i like the idea the idea is that there are mile markers 
along the way to where God wants to get us to. And I'm just going to kind of go through eight mile markers or issues, I would say, that I would normally go through with clients who come. Like, so if you came for eight sessions, I would probably go through eight of these, each of these issues with you. And so I'm really excited because it's a brand new course. It's, it's, it's my own, based on my own experience um, in, in counseling and in um, teaching and in my own life. Mm. But um, we also have another class called Prayers That Heal the Heart, which is a class from Mark Verkler with God Ministries. And that's taking you through seven healing prayers that really will address a heart issue. We also have prayer counseling. I do one-on-one -on -one prayer counseling, and I have one other uh, prayer counselor, and we're all online now, right now. Our office has been closed since March. Yeah. We don't know when we're gonna reopen, but at some point in time, we will reopen in, in Richmond. So you can contact us. Probably the best way is to email us at hello at sunodia.org and say, hey, how do I get into a class or how can I get one-on-one -on -one prayer counseling? Um, we also would be inviting volunteers, anybody who would like to come and help us do some of the things that we need to do. I have a staff of one right now besides myself, so <laughs> kind of shorthanded. I, you know, I was thinking earlier that I really wanted to kind of share that you can tell when you're in your head and not in your heart. Mm. Being in your head is kind of, I'm reasoning it out. Mm -hmm. I'm analyzing this. I'm trying to figure it out. One of the things that I know when somebody's in their head and I say to them, well, what do you feel like God is saying to you? You kind of see them scrunch up their eyes and they're trying really hard. And usually that means that they're trying to figure out what <laughs> God is saying. Whereas it is not the way it normally happens. What it is is kind of flowing pictures, flowing emotions, flowing thoughts. And the Holy Spirit is so good to do that with us. And so I would really just want to encourage everybody to allow yourself to relax, listen to God, just open yourself up and think about the times when you've been driving and all of a sudden, boom, some pops into your head and either you think I need to pray for so-and-so or I need to call so-and-so or wow, that's a great idea. Hmm. Where did that come from? Mm -hmm. Those are those, those are those types of times when God is just speaking to you. Mm -hmm. And just start to receive that mm -hmm. and realize that when we get all uptight and we're trying really hard to hear from God, it's going to be harder. Yeah. God is going to speak to us in those moments when we're just still. The other thing I would also say is please let yourself dream, literally dream. And when you do dream, write down your dreams and start to pay attention to them mm -hmm. and start to ask God, what does this dream mean? We will be doing a dream seminar. Actually, we have coming up in the fall. I'm going to do another promo. We have a, a seminar for single women because a lot of times there are single women who don't understand why they're not married yet if they're unexpectedly single. Mm -hmm. And so I have a seminar that's geared for them and that's going to be on Saturday, September 26th. Mm. And then uh, in October, I will be teaching again on who you are kind of what is the DNA that God has put into you? What is the, what is the dominant gift? that you look at life through, and that's called Understanding God's Design, and that will be the last Saturday in October. And then I will be, uh, we do have someone else who's teaching the four keys to hearing God's voice. If you wanna go in depth into how to hear God's voice with all the safeguards, it's gonna be a Saturday online course starting in mid-September. You'd have to go to the website. I don't know the date off the top of my head, 
-hmm. but that's going to be, that's an exciting time. So we really are trying to help you get everything, kind of find out about what needs to be healed in the past through prayers that heal the heart, what maybe how to hear, how to live out of the voice of God through the four keys class. And then the journey points is really going to help you. Like, how do I map this path? How do I keep staying on this journey? And that's kind of, um, you know, eyes forward. I mean, you could, I could talk for days and <laughs> yeah. days and days of well, I mean, it, how it immense like... God is. So <laughs> don't get me started. Yeah. You already did. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Well, and it sounds like, you know, to sum up the Sunodia piece is no matter who somebody is or what they're experiencing, there's something that they could gain. And it's worth checking out the site because there's something that could bring value. And then I want to affirm what you said about, you know, how you can, you can know when you're in your head and when you're in your heart, uh, because that's something in my last role and, and continuing, there were times where uh, I would provide pastoral care. And I remember when I started to realize, oh, I'm just talking for myself right now. And times when I could recognize, I don't know where that came from, but God's doing something. But something else that I learned was that it doesn't mean that our head is bad. But right. what it does mean is we need to own and recognize that it is limited. In other words, if I'm sharing from my head things that I know, that's not a bad thing, but there's a limit to what that can do. It's based on how much I know and how much I know about the situation and how much I know about what's ahead, which often is very little as we've learned in 2020. <laughs> but the other beautiful piece is because there are some people who God has designed them to function very well in their head. And sometimes hearing something like this can make them feel like they're broken or they're incomplete because they spend more time in their head and that's not okay. But as you were talking, the, the picture, it actually brought me back to what you shared about being in the boat and stepping out. And it made me think of Peter. And part of the thing we mentioned is, you know, Peter knew the dangers of the sea. He knew the dangers of the waves. And that influenced his understanding of when he stepped out and then when he started to get afraid. If someone had been on that boat who had never been on the boat, knew nothing about waves, and Jesus said, come, and they just jumped out, like, that's great. That's beautiful. But there's something about what Peter experienced because of his head knowledge that made his understanding of that moment more robust. Because for I agree. him, the head knowledge made it clear to him the extent to which he was taking a risk, the, the, the insanity of what God was inviting him into. And so, yeah, I think it's beautiful. The, the more that we are able to learn the limitations of our head, but also like the opportunity for God to use what he has given us to enhance that, I think there's just so much that can come from that. Yeah, I, I really do encourage people to make sure that they know the word, they read the word, mm -hmm. because if you don't have it there, for the Holy Spirit to tap, you know, you lose, you really do. Because I mean, I, I feel like there's, even as a baby, and I would just hear the word and God would bring things back to me that I wasn't even aware I had heard. And I was able to actually apply them in my life. But if I didn't have that head knowledge, if I hadn't heard that word, I would have been a little handicapped, I would say. Mm -hmm. And so I really, really encourage people, you know, read through the Bible. If you can't get through the whole Bible, read through the New Testament two or three times. I'm kind of very slowly right now going through Proverbs and about to hit Ecclesiastes. Some of the books are not fun to read, mm -hmm. but 
there's something in every one of them. And I just, I just really encourage people use your head as well as your heart, but it should never be only one or the other. Mm -hmm. I don't think that we should be completely entirely in our heart and never use our head. Mm -hmm. I have a problem with that because there's sometimes our heart will tell us to do something, but if we don't use our heads, we're going to do it in the wrong way. We might do the right thing in the wrong way, which I think is not a good idea. But if we start to, you know, let God use all of our faculties mm-hmm. and he wants to, he's created us. I mean, we're so intricately made, you know, just don't divorce your head, but don't divorce your heart, mm-hmm. you know, just bring the two together. And I think that that can be done beautifully. Yeah. And I've seen it done beautifully. And we're, intricately made not just individually but going back to the whole concept behind the name of Sunodia, we are intricately made as a capital b body that we're not intended to just function within our own faculties but we function more fully when it is alongside others yes it is definitely a journey among others struggle with the idea of journeying because we want to get to wherever it is we're journeying towards. We would rather arrive. And if we really press into it, we don't like being incomplete. We don't like the idea that maybe we're not perfect, that maybe we make mistakes. We want to arrive and we want to be perfect. But if we look at scripture, at the heroes of the faith, all of them were on journeys. All of them were imperfect people making mistakes who were journeying towards a perfect, loving, powerful God. Unfortunately, what we tend to do is define our theology around our desires for perfection and arrival. And so we'll look at our current situation and say, something must be wrong with me. Maybe I'm not actually a Christian. Maybe God doesn't actually exist. Maybe God isn't who I thought he was. The Israelites did the same thing when they were in Egypt. They had been in captivity for so long that many of them had lessened their idea of God, if they even believed in a God at all. And when God began to work, they doubted, they questioned, they went back and forth. When they were finally freed from Egypt, after hundreds of years of captivity, some of them wanted to go back. When God continued to show himself at work, they couldn't see it or believe it because they did not want the journey. They wanted the arrival. They wanted to get to the promised land today. But God in his power and goodness knows that it's not about arrival. The journey is important because he is accomplishing something more than a destination. In fact, if we look at Exodus 13, starting at verse 17, we find out why God didn't just transport them immediately to the promised land. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. 
God knew that they were not ready yet. Their hearts, their minds, their understanding of reality was not in a place yet where they could face the enemies ahead. And the enemies were ahead. So God took them on a road where they would have the time and the care to get to that place where they wouldn't turn back. And we, we see God's wisdom in this because when they are faced with hardships, what do they do? They desire to turn back. We should have never left Egypt. What, did you just bring us here just to die in the desert? No matter what God did, providing water, providing food, they continued to want to return back to that oppression. And we are no different. We continue to return back to our prisons and to our oppressions because we don't actually trust God. We trust ourselves more. We trust how we see the world more. But God and his love and his goodness and his patience and his mercy doesn't give up on us. He continues to invite us to journey and he continues to walk with us, behind us, and in front of us. He doesn't abandon us. God still speaks and he wants you to hear his voice today. And he wants to do more than just get you to a place or get you a thing. He wants you to be made more and more into his image, to be more and more that new creation that he created you to be. And it's going to be hard because it's going to take dying to things that don't look like God and to dying to things that would pull you away from God, from idols. But it is totally worth it. Someone like Joshua, who decided that they were going to trust God more than their own eyes and understanding, made it to the promised land because he was willing to trust God on the journey. And in fact, there were a number of others who went with Joshua into the promised land to scope it out, who came back and said, nope, we can't go in there. Let's go back. But Joshua said, what enemies are you talking about? What are you afraid of? God is going to fight for us. And he led the remaining Israelites over the dry land of the Jordan when it split, went to the walls of Jericho, watched them fall, and led the Israelites to a place that was abundantly more than they could have asked or imagined that they could never have gotten to on their own, that they didn't even want to get to in their own hardness of heart. Embrace the journey today. And embrace the reality that God is speaking and that he wants you to hear his voice. And don't get discouraged when it feels like you can't hear him. Don't get discouraged when it feels like there's just silence. Don't get discouraged when what it seems like he's saying is not what you wanted him to say. Because this is bigger than your destination. This is about you being made new. You being restored to something that is more than you could dream of. We are on this journey together. So when you feel that discouragement, don't face it alone. Don't navigate this journey alone. God is with you. And there is a body of believers that are with you as well. God is God and God is good. So as you walk on your journey today, ask yourself, where did you see God? Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to the Where Did You See God podcast. And I would love for your stories to be a part of it as well. So there are a number of ways that you can do that. You can check out our Facebook page at Where Did You See God podcast. 
You can go to anchor.fm slash where did you see God, or you can leave a brief voice message at 804-372-3836. I would love to hear your stories. And if the stories you've heard have encouraged you, uh, think of someone else who could be encouraged as well and share it with them. The music you've been listening to is You'll Walk, You'll Run by Urban Doxology. They are a solid group and you will love listening to the rest of their music. So check them out. And as always, as you go through your day, ask yourself, where did you see God?